Hello and welcome. This is the Theology Gaming Podcast. I am Zachary Oliver, the proprietor and owner of the Theology Gaming blog. I am. This is the second of our quote-unquote interview series, even though they're just numbered podcasts. I just like giving things names. Every podcast has a name. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah, of course. Why not, right? <laughs> and with me today is a special guest. He is the PR manager of Dinosaur Entertainment, who is developing a game that I enjoy very much called Mech Knight Chronicles. Meet him. Here he is. It's Joe Solis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How you doing? I'm doing good. <laughs> it's actually Joe David Solis. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's cool. You want the middle name in there? <laughs> yeah, because my father's know. my father's Joe Solis. So I don't want him to get, get confused. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I didn't want to be talking about him. We want to talk about him. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm a, uh, I always tell people that I am a uh, child of the 80s, a teenager of the 90s, and an adult of the 21st century. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I grew up in South Texas, a small town. I always tell people if you go back and watch the movie Varsity Blues, you'll see everything there is to know about a small Texas town, minus the strip club, because we didn't have one of those. <laughs> That's uh, probably a good thing. But... Uh, <laughs> But that, that whole feeling, everybody knows everybody. So, you know, grew up there and went to college down there and studied to become a, a teacher, actually, and then uh, oh. moved up to Dallas-Fort Worth. Oh, what kind after of college? Just public school. All right. After a few years of that, it just wasn't for me, and I was kind of doing a little soul-searching and finding what to do next with my life. I, I was married at the time, unfortunately. That didn't last, ended up divorced, and it was during that time that was when I became a Christian because I had always believed in God, but I grew up Catholic, so that was kind of the perspective I was coming from, and then as the Catholic Church started doing things that I didn't necessarily agree with anymore, I didn't know what I believed. And What kind uh, of things did the Catholic Church do, if I could ask? <laughs> just very legalistic, a lot of man-made rules and things that later, after coming to God, I learned what was man-made and what was really of God or really things that God wanted, you know, a relationship, not robots, basically. <laughs> I, I find that's true of a lot of people who are in Catholicism. I mean, in my region, I know a lot of people that have the exact same experience. They mm-hmm. find themselves in a more legalistic mindset from Catholicism, even though Catholicism, as far as I know, is very close to Protestantism now. But I think that a lot of the American parishes are still locked in the old ways, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, so I just found a lot more freedom in non-denominational churches and, and just felt that I finally could learn and understand things. And that journey, as far as the video game side of things, you know, <laughs> I, like any other kids in the 80s, you know, you grew up with your Nintendo, Sega, you know, you just <laughs> yeah. basically, you know, we were there at the genesis of it, you know, you know, 1985 was a bigger year not just because Marty McFly went back to the future, but, you know, because Nintendo <laughs> launched. <laughs> but games have always been a part of my life. And it was in college that I met two of my best friends, one of them named Roy Gonzalez. And his name will come up later when we talk about the game, if you remember the name Roy. Ah. And my other friend, Jesse Sosa, those two guys went to high school together. And then I met both of them in college. And Jesse had already started working his way into the gaming industry at that point. He's worked for several different companies. I got to watch him kind of experience that life vicariously through him because he would share things. I would get to go to his, whatever his current company was, I would get to go see what he was working on or, and he would share, you know, the good side and the bad side of the industry. And (laughs) it was always very interesting to me, you know, and, and at times he wanted me to join, but I just, my passion has always been for writing. I don't, 
have the artist touch that he does. And I certainly didn't want to get into the programming side, which is another route he tried to get me into. But So I just knew that if I ever was going to have any hand in the gaming industry, it was going to be through him or somebody else. It wasn't <laughs> going to be anything that I could do directly. Cause yeah, that... I'm very similar in that way because I have no programming experience whatsoever. <laughs> I tried it a little bit and it's not for me. I, I like writing. That's what I do. <laughs> oh, okay. That's where our connection came. Mech Knight Chronicles is an idea that these guys have had since they were in high school and it literally just it started you know really simple and then when i met them in college they handed it off to me it was very segmented and they're basically like here's all the ideas can you make it make sense <laughs> and so i did or i tried my best and apparently they were happy with my work because from then on they you know always asked for my help with that and that was really part of how we just all connected and just i mean we've stayed friends forever and through good and bad and and in 2011 after kind of being tired of where the industry was going and tired of some of the projects that he'd worked on you know Jesse set out to create dinosaur games and we decided that Mech Knight Chronicles was going to be our first project and what you got to play was it was only two and a half months of actual work but the pre-planning that went into that thing is the reason that the actual demo only took two and a half months to actually make workable. <laughs> oh, okay. So. so the ideas were set in stone a while ago. The general idea, I mean, we, we were looking through some old sketches and things the other day, and we are like, we cannot wait to put all this old stuff on the game, because people are going to be like, oh my god, this, you know, some of this stuff is horrible, you know, but this is where it started, you know, just, you know, with this random sketch here, or this, you know, obviously everybody's skill level increases in life, just like in games, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, you see some of the old drawings, you're like, oh my god, but now you see his stuff today, and you're like, this is amazing, you know, but everybody's <laughs> got to start somewhere, so. Does the game correlate more with your gaming tastes, like in terms of what games you like? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, the game itself echoes things like Golden Axe and Guardian Heroes and that the classic side-scroller beat-em-ups, which we, we all grew up with because, as we learned after the fact when we grew up, those things were so easy for companies to make, you know. <laughs> the the memorable ones are the ones that had fun interaction and that were just something you could jump on and play. And, I mean, we still seek them out now. It's like if I'm having a bad day, I may, you know, grab my old Sega Classics collection and pop in Golden Axe and just play it because you don't have to think, you know. You just, <laughs> it's just for fun. And well, that's what we felt was missing with a lot of the modern games is that everything's getting dark and gritty and serious and multi-million dollar budgets with i mean orchestras and you know it's it's like making a movie basically and which is fine but every now and then you just want something that's just fun and lighthearted, and you don't have to worry about the world ending all the time <laughs> <laughs> you guys are men after my own heart <laughs> i am so tired of gritty games like that you know it just gets tiring after a while and i've just popped in beautiful joe just because I wanted to see something that was colorful and interesting and fun to play and had, you know, neat little mechanics to mess around with instead of just having to go, oh, this is serious business all the time, you know? Yeah. What games did you grow up with? My, uh, this will age me real good. Uh, my, <laughs> my experience goes all the way back to Atari, you know. 2600 or? I believe so. God, it's been so long since I've had to think about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Bad, I still have bad. it somewhere. But, uh, <laughs> But my famous story was is that whatever the generation, there was an Atari that was coming out in 85 or 84, somewhere around there. And, you know, I was just one of those, well, I'm going to stick with what I know. What's, I, didn't, I didn't know what this Nintendo thing was at the time. And so we got an Atari, and I remember it had pole position, 
And I remember playing it and a couple of plays into it, for whatever reason, it froze and it just would not come back. It didn't matter if you popped, unpopped the cartridge, just dead. So my mom was like, you know, we're going to take this back. You're going to get something else. You're not going to get another one of these. So <laughs> I went for the Nintendo and I just consider it was fate because after that it was just like, I can't imagine not having my childhood with a Nintendo, you know. Some of my favorites, obviously the Mario Brothers games, you know, but... I was always partial. Like, if you were to ask me what my favorite game was from the original, I would have to say Mega Man. I, I loved Mega Man. I remember playing Part 2, the combination of the music and the gameplay. I mean, I was sold forever. It is and, amazing. It has yes. aged very well, if you oh, want yeah. to go back to it. Yeah. No, I still have... I mean, I have the Classics Collection, you know? So, <laughs> uh, for a while there, it felt like that's all I was buying was Classics Collections and just skipping over some of these newer games. You know, but my friends and I, of course, we played like Contra and Castlevania. Just named the classics and we played it. It seems like you play a lot of action games. Yeah. Would I be I mean, right in that? Uh, yeah, I mean, especially early on, because I think back then it was harder for me to get into puzzle games and stuff like that. I mean, even Zelda could only keep my attention for so long back then. <laughs> it wasn't until later, if you want to, I mean, if you want to fast forward, I think when I really started getting to other kind of games was maybe when the PlayStation came around. Definitely with a PlayStation 2, because in my top games of all time is Silent Hill 2. That was definitely a, a nice switch for me, you know. That was more, I think, calling to my story side, because the story in that one is amazing. Gameplay, everything just comes together. So that, I think, was when my tastes kind of matured <laughs> and started getting away from that. Because, I, like I said, I can still play a good action game, but some of the modern ones, like, I'm not a big Halo buff, you know, I'll, I'll play it, but I don't seek it out. Now, what stood out to you about Silent Hill 2? Uh, I personally haven't played it because, uh, you know, everything and everything scares me. So <laughs> I, I don't need to see Pyramid Head coming into my room anytime soon, right? But what exactly stood out to you about Silent Hill 2? It was one of the few times that I've seen a deep story unfold with you as the character that is making the choices that help it unfold as such. So it was no longer about, okay, how many bad guys do I kill in this stage and how many points do I get? It was like you're immersed in this world. I mean, you, you turn off the lights and you turn up the sound on that game. <laughs> it's better than most horror movies. <laughs> yeah. Plus it's but, that uh, psychological kind of terror and not so much the, oh, things popping out of closets. I mean, there's some of that, obviously, but it's just, you know, you actually cared about these characters. And, and when you get to the revelation of, the end of the game and you're just like wow you know it's on par with some of the greatest movie twists and that was when i really saw the power of what gaming can do is take you on on these other vicarious experiences that even a horror movie you know i i I never have gotten that feel like i did when i played that game so let's rewind back a bit (laughs) Mm -hmm. back to a nintendo era name some other games you like (laughs) that was kind of the time of the licensed games, it's like, you know, if DuckTales was on TV, then you had the DuckTales game. If Chippendale Rescue Rangers was on TV, then you had the Chippendales game. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's like all those, you know, were pulled just because, hey, I watched the TV show, now I can be Chippendale, you know. <laughs> so, you know, back then, like, it was still lighthearted and fun. Were you a SNES or a Genesis owner? Actually, it was Genesis at the time, uh, because just growing up, it was always the... Your parents, it's like, okay, you can choose one or the other. You can't have both. (laughs) (laughs) And at the time, my brother, who was younger than me, for whatever reason, just really latched onto Sonic. And so from then on, it was just like all about 
you know every sonic game that came out you know we played and and sega really i think did well with creating a lot of properties that i wish would come back like toe jam and earl and earthworm jim and stuff like that you know that were just fun characters toe jam and earl wow (laughs) yeah bring it back memories here That's yeah. a long. But yeah, I totally missed the Super NES generation. I've played some of them after the fact, but it's not the same, I'm sure, as if I would have played them when I was a kid. <laughs> wow, you missed like Chrono Trigger and mm-hmm. Final Fantasy VI and Final Fantasy IV. Wow. <laughs> yep. yep. And I'm ha- gu- guessing yeah. you went to Saturn. Uh, no, I don't remember any reason having to go to Saturn. I think that's why <laughs> I died so quickly. Guardian Heroes, maybe? That's one of the ones I played after the fact. It's when I met Roy and Jesse <laughs> that they're the ones that introduced me to that. I think we had an N64 first, and then PlayStation came next. And then we stayed with them, because I remember we skipped over GameCube and stayed with PS2. Didn't get into the first Xbox. It wasn't then... worth getting into, well, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I but have one still. It's, no. Did get the 360, thanks to Jesse, doing me favors. <laughs> it's nice to know somebody in the gaming industry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's that's just the way it's always been, is jumping back and forth. Like, I have yet to try the PS3. or I mean, I've played the Wii, you know, with other friends and stuff, but... But yeah, like I said earlier, it's just always been a part of my life. It's just, I think the time period when in the early 2000s, like I said, I was just seeking out all the classics collections, which is because of life and the demands of it and stuff. At the time, I couldn't play Zelda or Final Fantasy style games that would keep me on there forever, you know? <laughs> yeah. Have you felt like your Christianity and your video gaming habits have any relation at all? Or has one been an impediment to the other? No, and, and that's because that's one thing that, you know, when people try to, to grab a scapegoat of any kind and you know video games have been targeted a lot over the years oh, yes. they're too violent they're too this they're too that if you want to take it from a biblical perspective you know everything about god it's all about the heart issue so if a video game is teaching you to be violent there's something deeper going on there it's not the game that's what's always bothered me about that this is just an outlet for entertainment you got to keep that in perspective if, they, if bad things are happening and this just happens to be you know, in that person's house or whatever, they, whatever the case is, you know, they find, heck, well, this person had, you know, all the Halo games and obviously that taught them how to shoot. No, no, that's not. <laughs> no, I don't not, think I could learn how to shoot people just you know, from playing Halo. It's just, you know, they just, people need somewhere to point. And fortunately, this is one of the easy targets, just like movies, you know, they can point at movies too. They can point at TV. They need to look at, there's always deeper issues going on. So, I mean, it's never affected me. I mean, sometimes I've had to defend against other Christian friends, you know, why I like some of the things that I like. It's a common occurrence, so (laughs) you're not alone in that. God made it very clear to me that, you know, he likes the same things that I like, and that if it is anything that was hurting me, that he would take it out of my life, because he's done it with other stuff. So that's the way that I've lived with this, and... I mean, at the very core of, of gaming is the whole concept of good and evil. You know, you're you're taking the role on and you're making the decisions that will either lead to your victory or your defeat, you know. So that's that speaks to to all of us, you know, and I think that's why gaming is so universal. The conflicts are metaphorical, but they represent the things that actually happen in our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like with Mech Knight. When we first started putting it together, we realized that because the, the basic story is is that you know, it's a land where, where magic ruled, you know, for the longest time, and, and we explain why in the game, and, you know, an evil wizard takes advantage of that and, and destroys the entire knighthood, huh. and, and the few surviving knights are this new generation, you know, 
called the Mech Knights, and and they've found a way to harness you know the magic to create the transforming armor that you saw in the uh, in the demo. You know they basically the few knights, the few Mech Knights that are around uh, with uh, other heroes that they meet along the way, you know band together and they fight against this evil wizard. I mean it's a story we've heard uh, a thousand times before, you know. But <laughs> we you know when we decided to go that route, we're like okay, so the story is not unique, so we can't just sell it on the story. So that's when we decided to grab, you know, Jesse's art style, and that's what you see in the designs of the characters. And uh, also, the other owner of Dinosaur Games uh, is our other friend. His name is Travis Therrett, and you know, he he he's the one that's uh, also helping with the designs and the animations and things like that. So between those two, you know, you're seeing a very focused and streamlined design process. So that way everything looks like it fits in that world. You know, we knew that the style would be there. We really wanted to emanate, you know, uh, a little bit of the 1980s cartoon style, a little bit of anime, you know, which is stuff that we're into. And because even though that story is simple, you know, hopefully we're going to put twists and turns in there, you know, that, that will make it more interesting. But for the people that, you know, played it at PAX, we wanted them to be able to just pick it up, play it and be done and, you know, I think I only had one interviewer later on in his thing say, you know, I'm not sure what the the story is for Mech Knight. All I know is that it's awesome, you know, by itself, <laughs> without a story. And like, well, that's good because that's kind of what we were going for. It's like if the gameplay wasn't there, then the story's not going to matter. So we always have to look at, you know, we're in the video game genre. We have to make sure that the gameplay is good first before anything else comes after that. So what are the plans for the game design for this specifically? like in terms of scoring or RPG elements or that kind of thing? What is the main goal or objective other than hitting dudes is fun? <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have, you know, the multiple levels and, and we're going to have the choose your own adventure aspect. So that way the choices you make will affect how the how the game progresses. If you pick a certain path, for example, if, if the objective is you must save the dam and if you fail in that objective... But when you get to the boss battle at the end, you know, his area may be flooded from the water, you know, and it'll make him harder, harder to fight. Oh, okay. So just little things like that is what we want to do to just keep it interesting and keep the replay value high. You know, if you take a different path, you may un- unlock a new character, new abilities, things like that. So we're trying to make it very fast paced, which is very easy to handle. One of our biggest compliments that we've gotten is that for people who feel like they're button mashers, which Jesse himself will tell you, he's a button masher, <laughs> you know, he's the one who designed the game, is that we want it to be able to, you can just pick it up and play it and have an experienced gamer. And we had this at PAX, you know, we had an experienced gamer and we had, you know, a novice gamer, Pills pick it up and they both are able to play it just fine. And that's how we want the whole game experience to be. Yeah, I played the demo like two or three times. I uh, oh, I'm, like... I would call myself experienced, <laughs> self-proclaimed. There is a lot of depth in the way that the combat is formed, like combo-wise. Yeah. Which reminds yeah. me of a fighting game more than it does anything else. Good, because that's exactly what we wanted it to do. Because the thing is, and, and I mean, you just seen the very early, you know, combo system of what you got to play, you know, it still needs to be enhanced and added to and, you know, you're going to be able to see the hits, how many hits and do more juggling in the air and things like that. So for you to like it in its infancy, basically, <laughs> is a good thing, you know, because it, it's only going to get better from there. Oh, good. <laughs> Glad to hear that. I mean, I, well, the one thing I really like about it is the dash. Oh, yeah. The dash really makes me happy because I, I think you you and I know, both know that in 
you know, side-scrolling beat-em-ups, usually you don't have the option to either block or dash. Mm-hmm. And that ends up being a problem sometimes, depending on how yeah. the game is designed. Bottom line looks cool, obviously, but... <laughs> but it, is, <laughs> but it is, is useful, yeah. Yeah, but it is very functional in the game. I mean, that you know, you, you play some of the areas where the enemies just descend on you all of a sudden, and, you know, sometimes, depending on which character you're playing, you may have to dash out of there in order to survive, you know? Very important to put stuff like that, because... That, you know, we like we said, we don't want you to just be surrounded all of a sudden and just die. You know, I mean, we want to at least give you a fighting chance. So, because <laughs> I remember lots of games like that, and especially if they were games that were designed to be in the arcade. You know, they were designed to eat your quarters. You know, so they wouldn't give you that kind of option. They want you to die so you can pop in more quarters. <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah, the bad ones were designed like that. Yeah, there so are we're... some good ones out there. <laughs> so we're not going to do that because you know, once you buy it, we're not going to be charging you every time you die. So. <laughs> Hey, microtransactions in the future. You might be seriously considering this. <laughs> you, you've just died. You owe us five dollars. That, that type of thing. <laughs> yeah. We want to be popular amongst the fans, not not infamous. <laughs> Is there a plan to have limited lives? Yeah, we still haven't decided exactly what it's going to be yet. Because for the demo, like you saw, we just left it unlimited. We have to figure that out because. There has to be some sort of sense of Urgency? you know threat there, yeah. There has to be a, a sense of you don't want to die, you know. And hopefully that will come across in the fact that we want it to be better when you play with your friends. Because as you saw with the two characters that we had, uh, which is Roy, which was named after, you know, one <laughs> of the original guys that, that, that helped create this. You know, he's the melee guy, so he can jump in a bunch of bad guys and he can survive for a while. While Tina... Our thief, the other one you got to see in the demo, you know, she's not going to last very long if you leave her in the crowd of bad guys. And so between working together and hoping that the person who picked Roy is not going to be stealing all your potions all the time when they drop, (laughs) (laughs) you know, you you can stay alive a lot longer when you work together like that. And that's that's really what we want. I know the game is not balanced, but I found it much more difficult to play the game as Roy than with Tina. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Tina is way overpowered, I think, (laughs) for the current moment. Yeah, no, we're working on that. Yeah, she is. But she's fun. I mean... I have to admit, I use her to run through the tests whenever we have a new version of the game of the demo. So she's like a god mode. <laughs> well, you know, she's she's a thief, but she's pretty much our ninja, is what I say. <laughs> you know. So, are you a writer? Correct. Yes. Yeah, that's my main so thing. Do you write the dialogue scripting for this game? So far, because we haven't even got to that yet. What I've done is I've helped write out the entire backstory that explains the entire world and all the, oh, the right. twists and turns that we're going to be seeing later. Uh, those all exist in a document somewhere. And that's what what we refer to as, as they're building the stages because, you know, we know what the goal is. We know what's coming next in the story. You know, I watch a lot of DVD commentaries and, and things like that and the making of films. And you always see the, the kind of the handing off between departments and I always, or at least I always thought to myself, you know, it's like, how do they keep it all straight? You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, I always see the horror stories of, well, the writer started off with the script here. And by the time he went from point A to point B, you know, the next group of guys got it. And all of a sudden the main character has cancer. And, you know, so you're like, wait, I didn't add <laughs> the script. That's a more disjointed, you know, system. Thankfully with us, you know, we're a small company. So, you know, we start with this huge summary of what's going to happen. And then we break it down into... You know, here's the stage. What's going to happen here? What has to happen here? What do we need to be careful that 
doesn't happen here that's going to affect something later. And so you start breaking it down. And so it's like after I did the summary, then it was pretty much hands out of my hands. You know, so like everything you saw in the demo, there wasn't much text in the demos. We purposely just left it very standard because it was just meant to show you, you know, here's the next part. Here's them talking here. Choose your adventure and go. You know, we'll have a we'll have a feature later. You'll see it's a giant vehicle we call the land train that will be like the hub. It'll be kind of like in Final Fantasy when you would go back to the to the high wind or oh, something okay. like that, you know, uh, where all the characters are standing around and you could go interact with them and talk that'll be the that'll be the the points in the game when you know things slow down and but it's by your own choice because you're going to go interact with people and and that's where the dialogue comes in that's where we'll have to start saying okay what at this point in the game what are these characters going to be telling us that's important to kind of move the story along and to give you a little bit of background that you're not going to get in the main stages because you're so busy fighting you know (laughs) Um, okay, so you're not going to go for Mass Effect dialogue trees, I'm I'm hoping. No, 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 no. <laughs> no it's just talking to people and learning about what's happening. Okay. No, we're not going to, and we also hopefully won't make an ending that will, you know, cause an uproar and have people emailing us to change it, <laughs> like Mass Effect. <laughs> so. So is there's plan to be RPG style elements like upgrading your weapons or armor and stuff. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little about that. It's going to be very similar to, like, uh, I don't know if you ever played Knights of the Round. Um, I have that, a little bit. But we're still deciding if it's going to be happen off screen or if it's going to happen. Knights of the Round always did it to where as soon as your guy leveled up, his armor would change on screen so you keep fighting. Oh. So, you know, that was a little bit more fast paced. And that's what we're trying to decide is that, you know, when we add stuff like that, if you look at our concept trailer from last year, You'll see some final attacks that a lot of characters in that trailer did, and they're very anime style. You know, it breaks away. It's like a cutscene, and there's speed lines, and they they do this big attack that takes out all the enemies on the screen. You know, we're still trying to iron that out because we like that idea, but we certainly don't want the gameplay to be paused just because all of a sudden somebody does their special attack. So. Oh no, none of that super attack kind of thing. I mean, we still want to do it, but we want to do it in such a way where it doesn't interrupt everybody else who's playing with you. These are the kind of things that we take in consideration every time we want to put something in the game. So we don't want to just put it in there just because, you know. Well, the potion uh, AOE attack, or area of effect, mm -hmm. does get rid of everything on the field. That doesn't freeze the action? No. Oh, oh, okay. yeah, I don't know. Now you got me double thinking. I'm like, no. <laughs> I've played it so many times. I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm talking about. Okay, like, so this is where, like a different kind of thing. Yeah, I'm talking about like the whole screen. And I've seen other games do this. The whole screen will freeze and let that one person do their thing. So everybody basically has to stop for a second, <laughs> you know, or there'll be a cutscene. And see, that's that's the challenge is that when you have multiplayer, is that you really don't want to be going to a cutscene all the time because. If you have other people playing with you, that gets annoying after a while, you know. <laughs> yeah. And yes, the area of effect that we have now, uh, Royce was a little bit more powerful than Tina's because, yeah, his would, his had a, a wider range. But yeah, there was there's it depending on where the screen you were, it, it some some of the bad guys could survive that. I know if you remember fighting the big brute, you know, one of those AOE attacks couldn't take him out, you know. So <laughs> the magic and the attack power-ups, I couldn't really understand their effects so much. <laughs> Oh, you mean like in the gameplay? Yeah, magic up. It's either defense or attack up. It's like a stat boost. Uh, it was a, f- a choice of four. It's like increase your attack, increase your defense, a fireball style attack, or an area of effect attack. Which, again, we just try to keep pretty basic because those are very standard for these type of games. To have something that will increase your hits if you're going to go against you know, a tougher enemy or increase your defense if you decide to get 
surrounded, which happens in the demo a lot. (laughs) (laughs) But it's intuitive because you can just use the analog stick and just swap to a different Mm -hmm. one if you really need it. Yeah, and that's what we that's what we wanted, you know, just real quick. You know, you have it memorized by that point, hopefully, you know, which one is which. <laughs> yeah, eventually. <laughs> <laughs> is there any other interesting things about this game you would like to tell us? So far, as far as the progress in getting it out to everyone, you know, we are official on PSN network for the PS3 and Vita. We we are also with Ouya, that new uh, system. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Yeah, the one uh, that has a... It's a basically a smartphone inside of a box. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that connects but, uh, to your TV. We, we definitely got approval from them. At PAX, we got to talk to NVIDIA, who is apparently, you know, starting their own system that they want to promote, so... And we just got a lot of submissions out right now. Actually, with PlayStation, in order to become part of the PS4 network, it's separate from the PS3 one. You actually have to resubmit. Oh. So so we had to do that recently. We submitted to Xbox Live and also Nintendo as well and waited on those. The big one for us, though, recently is we got greenlit on Steam. Oh. So, so we were asking everybody to, you know, if you have a Steam account, you know, please go over and vote yes for us because we... Uh, we definitely would like to get the game on Steam. So I think we've only had it out there for two weeks, and we've already we've had some positive response to it. So we're just asking everybody to continue to spread the word. Anybody you have, or anybody you know has a Steam account, just go in there and help us out because they're a little bit of helps. Yeah, oh, I wrote an article about this. Read it. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling everyone listening: you stop listening right now and read the article. there you go is there like a tentative release date or is it more of a when it's done kind of situation no i mean we're 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 definitely shooting for first quarter of 2014 if we can i mean that's one of the things that uh, i mean i know jesse's used to this because he's been in the industry but you know it's like it's always it's it's just steps it's milestones you have to reach you know and funding has to be secured and things like that and that it's the closest thing i've ever have been a part of that's like making a movie <laughs> and now i can see where where things go wrong in movies during this process that thankfully jesse being a veteran of the industry between him and the, and the rest of the team like i said that's why they were able to put out the demos so fast because there was no time wasted once once they knew the plan and once they agreed this is what we're sticking to that's why they were able to put it together so fast has being a christian and being in game development mm-hmm. has that been an interesting experience and have you encountered some obstacles that you probably wouldn't otherwise or has it been rather smooth sailing in this and and just in life in general the way that i treat my christianity is i don't try to push it on people you know my friends know my beliefs you know they don't ever give me a hard time about it i guess you could say and so it just has to be a mutual respect. If somebody, you know, I've had people at cons, somehow that conversation will come up and I have to... It's interesting that it would come up at all, right? Yeah. <laughs> at a hobby convention. <laughs> it's just one of those, it's like, I, you know, as long as they respect what I believe, then I'm going to respect the fact that you don't believe, you know. And it has to be that way because I've seen other Christians try to push it on people and... To me, it's the same idea of those people that are standing on the street quarters yelling at you that you're going to hell and want to give you a little handout and that you're supposed to convert right there, you know? <laughs> it doesn't um, tend to work very well, most times. No, no, it doesn't. So, I mean, that's just the main thing is that when people see that, I, that I'm respectful of their beliefs, I usually get that respect in turn. I have yet to have had a bad experience when I've shared it with anybody, but it's usually because they ask 
I don't ever bring it up like that. Why do they ask? It's just, it's kind of baffling to me. <laughs> I, well, I it's... went to PAX with a shirt that said Theology Gaming on it, so I was mm-hmm. kind of asking for it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, depends, right? <laughs> it's just one of those things that if you believe in God, you believe in the Holy Spirit, and you believe that certain things are Holy Spirit driven. <laughs> and so the littlest thing could kick off a conversation. I know that, it, that I talked with at least one or two people at PAX. It just seemed to come up. You were holding the giant sword, correct? <laughs> yes, I was. Okay, so I did. Talk and about I have that. broader shoulders now for it. <laughs> <laughs> the sword is my cross to bear. <laughs> no, you'll be seeing that sword at a lot of cons. This build tech, mainly the Texas-based cons that we go to. You'll be seeing a lot of a lot of it this coming year. Hopefully, if funds allow, you may see a uh, updated version of it because the version that Roy uses in the demo is not exactly the way that the prop is <laughs> the prop is modeled after the the way the sword looked in the concept trailer from last year which is not too dissimilar but you, when you look at them side to side you can tell the difference but the giant sword was worth all the money we paid for it because <laughs> was mean, it an expensive giant sword it, it was up there but we had some friends help us out with it so i mean there's a couple of cons that we've been to where you know we for whatever reason we either didn't get a booth or couldn't get a booth and they're just here in Texas, so we can literally just drive down the way and bring the sword and bring our little postcard advertisements that we have for dinosaur games and just walk around with the sword. And people will ask, you know, what's that from? Oh, well, here, you know, it's from this game and it's free advertising, you know. <laughs> so A cloud-esque giant sword. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, anybody who, who checks out our site, especially our Facebook, now I'll give all the information, I guess, before we're out of here, but you'll see lots and lots of pictures of it. <laughs> and the sword brings up conversations about Christianity. I, uh, is that right? I have yet to anybody ask if it's the sword of God, if that's what you're asking. <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't got me into any discussions about Ephesians and the armor of God and all that good stuff. But <laughs> Unless you started uh, telling people about it. Yeah, I'm still trying to run a story through my head. I wish I, wish I had one ready to tell you. I, I know that it came up at PAX. I didn't bring it up, so no. <laughs> don't worry. I, I'm not the one. Yeah, it sometimes it comes up with current events, you know, especially when you have people like the Westboro Baptist Church, you know, preaching a lot of hate, and people are like, you know, oh. what do you think about that? And I'm like, ain't no friends of mine. <laughs> so, Me and my misguided friends. Yeah. So yeah, it's just one of those things that it exists there, and, and to me, it's always had to be a Holy Spirit-driven thing. It has to. It, it has. It's always had to be because. Early on when I first became a Christian and and I tried to talk to people about it when they weren't ready, and it's just a waste of time, honestly. But when they are ready, it's like an open door. And you'll know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it tends to be quite clear, I find. Yeah, in terms of, let's say, coincidence, most people would see things as coincidences, but... If you think about it in terms of the Holy Spirit, it's less a coincidence and more of a you should be doing something right about now. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't I don't believe in coincidence in this anymore. So All have you had an experience like that? Well, I have one for my previous job. How about that? That's a pretty blatant one. <laughs> what's, what's your current job anyway for the podcast I, listeners? <laughs> it's a Christian-based company. It's called New World Services. It's it's a privately owned organization that seeks out like humanitarian-style needs. Basically, I always tell people like if there's a food bank needs food, you know, we will we'll fund them. If something bigger comes up, like you know the famous water water wells in another country, you know we can do that. I mean, 
we've had local people that just needed help, you know, on hard times or something. And those are the kind of things that where I start talking about there's no coincidences. So maybe here's here's a story. It's not it's not necessarily from me, but it's from my company. Is that um, you know my boss had a person. We had some bad storms in DFW, and uh, my boss had like a balcony on the second floor where the roof tore off with the with the strong winds. Hmm. And so he had to call somebody. And of course, you know, he's a Christian. So the first thing he does is look up, you know, what do Christian people know? Though I know that, you know, I want to bless. I want to give him some work, blah, blah, blah. Nobody was available. And, you know, like, you know, really need to get this done. You know, my, my roof is exposed, basically. I can't wait for somebody to become available. So, you know, he found this one gentleman that the best way I can say it is that you might look at him and he might look like a like a tough individual. You know, he might look like a, you know, if you're into comic books like I am, he might look like somebody's henchman, <laughs> you know. <laughs> But uh, he had a business and, you know, he had a good reputation. So he, you know, and worked on it. And, you know, I mean, this is the kind of individual, you know, he had an ankle monitor because of some, you know, trouble he's had with the law before. But it's also the kind of individual that a lot of people would not even think to help. And in talking with him, you know, we found that, uh, you know, he was doing well in his business, but he was still needing some supplies. I think the main thing he needed was like a new truck and because his was breaking down all the time. And basically all the all the profits he was making was going into repairing this vehicle. So basically he was not (laughs) making profit. (laughs) So my boss prayed about it and it was one of those buy him a new truck and it was done. And that opened the conversation of, hey, you know, do you know about God? Because he's the reason that I have this money to give you this truck and blah, blah, blah. And there's the open door. You know, that's the kind of things that happen that it's not a coincidence. And I'm guessing that happened with Dinosaur Entertainment in some respect. I mean, from my point of view, it was just... Because that's your part-time job. You know, like I said, I've known Jesse for a long time. You know, he's one of my best friends, regardless of whether he wanted me here or not, because now I live in Austin, where he's based. You know, I would help him anyway, because, you know, we're just that good friends. For him, it's different, because it's like, it's not so much coincidence as that, and him and I have talked about this, even though he doesn't believe in God, you know, it's like fate, you know, it's, we meet certain people in our lives because we're meant to work together, you know. And when I met these guys, when I met him and met Roy in college, I just knew whatever it was, whatever was coming, and, you know, we're talking, God, 13 years ago, <laughs> that's something we were going to do significantly together. And here we are. We are all kind of taking a risk, and you know, I know he is, you know, starting up a company. So it's one of those things that you just kind of pray it's going to work and you pray for favor. And, you know, the fact that we've made it this far and gotten such positive response to me is a blessing in itself, you know, because a lot of startup companies don't even make it this far. They don't even get a product. They don't get a playable demo out like we did. Yeah, you have almost a thousand Facebook likes now, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty fast. Yeah, I need to check to see. I may be missing the celebration here over the podcasting. I need to <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just stuff like that. It's like, I don't know, it's so much coincidence. In, in, in those type of subjects, coincidence is probably not the right subject matter. Maybe it's favor. Oh, you did miss the celebration. It's a thousand and one. Oh, <laughs> well, I'll be sure to jump on there after we're done and, and help celebrate. <laughs> we're timely here at Theology Gaming, so... <laughs> But yeah, it's just about, you know, we had the right group of people come together. I mean, the, the team that we have, the programmers, the, the, the level designers, the other guys that we have working on the story, and the combat system, I mean, they're all amazing guys, you know, and they're from all over the country. You know, they're not just from Texas. So that in itself is just like, how does that happen? You know, how do you, 
you know, how do you, how, how does that synergy work? You know, you, you seek out people cause there was other people that we sought out, you know, to help that were great people, great, you know, designers, great, uh, this or that. And they just didn't work. They just couldn't help us. They didn't have time. You know, we were, the timing didn't work out. We didn't have the funding yet, so we couldn't hire them yet. By the time we got the funding, they were gone. Because in that case, like I said, it had nothing to do with skill. The, some of the people we couldn't use were very skilled. <laughs> but so are the people that we have now. So that's the way I tend to look at things. It's, it just how does it all come together like this? That, this has been an interesting conversation, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. We should probably close it around here because... Um... I can't think of anything. So <laughs> you have answered most of my questions. I can't think of any more. So <laughs> Okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> Unless that's you have a question for me, in which case, please feel free. Mm, no, I mean, not that I can think of offhand. I mean, if anybody, you know, who listens just wants to know, you know, the basis of what we want to do is that, you know, like we've talked about, we just want to make fun games. We want to appeal to that nostalgia of, you know, what we grew up with. We want to be a reliable company. We want to be the ones, you know, that, that ships when we say we're going to ship, you know, I mean, that if something's not working, we want to listen, you know, we listened to a lot of the feedback at PAX, we really did, and, you know, really worked on the things that we could, and hopefully, you know, the things that we can't, you know, hopefully people understand why, you know, sometimes it's just mechanics, you know, <laughs> it's uh, it's like, you know, sometimes it's like change this, this little Honda Accord into a Ferrari, you know, <laughs> that's not going to happen. You know, but but I can give your Honda Accord a nice paint job. You know, so you know we wanna we wanna be a very transparent company. Very like, you know, you can come talk to us at a con. Please come talk to us at a con. I mean, we we really enjoy talking to all the people at PAX. You know, we want to have this community with these with you know these people who who are going to end up being our fans. You know, when we have something to share, and hopefully the same way that we followed companies like Capcom or, or Nintendo themselves or Sega or you know some of these others that have come over the years and still exist. We don't ever want to forget where we came from being the little guy, basically. <laughs> Check us out. We're at dinosaurentertainment.com. But as you heard, Zachary, you know, our most active uh, social media is our Facebook <laughs> because everything you could want to know about us is there. All the PAX interviews, all the videos that we have up at our YouTube of different things. And dinosaur information about actual dinosaurs. <laughs> yes, yes, that's uh, <laughs> that was a Jesse's request that I that uh, that I, I keep up with that, uh, our Dino Facts, um, <laughs> which is a uh, it actually comes from a Twitter feed called Dino Facts. So they, they just they just happen see here's here's your coincidence. They just happened to start up that Twitter feed about a week or two before Jesse asked me to start something like that. <laughs> you know, and I just jumped on and I just typed in Dinofax on Twitter and it's like here they are. And I'm like, you know, and they were literally just a couple of weeks old and I was like, sweet <laughs> You know. But yeah, you know, we we put up that stuff just for fun, you know, and uh, I'm sure you've seen our Calvin and Hobbes, you know, that's me because I'm a big Calvin and Hobbes person, and Calvin uh-huh. loved his dinosaurs. So you know, anytime I find a Calvin strip with uh, dinosaurs in it, you know it's going to be up at our Facebook. So <laughs> <laughs> Bill Watterson, uh, thanks you. Yeah, but yeah, check out our our YouTube page as well. You can see we actually have a playthrough of the demo because obviously you know only people who were at PAX got to to play it and hear it. You know, so uh, check that out if you haven't checked it out yet. To, it's a full full playthrough from beginning to end with uh with jesse himself narrating the whole thing 
and given a lot of inside information. Lots of cool stuff on there. There is a lot of information out there on this game, so please go <laughs> look at it. I implore you. I really like this. Uh, I can't wait for it to come out. So Sweet. Well, I appreciate you letting us come on the podcast. Yeah, well, thank you for coming on and talking about some uh, in-depth things. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Anytime. This has been the Theology Gaming Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please go on iTunes, subscribe, you know, like us, give us some love. Give us some five-star reviews because we need them. <laughs> I- I'm getting more and more shameless with this advertising as I go on. <laughs> That's what you have to do, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we are not shameless when we try to advertise. So. <laughs> and you can find Mech Knight Chronicles stuff at the aforementioned places, so please go check that out. Hope you enjoyed this podcast and tune in next week where we have more stuff coming up. So, thank you for being with us, Mr. Solis. And see you guys later.